Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the destruction of Sodom as we pick up in Genesis chapter 19, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Chapter 19 of the book of Genesis deals with the destruction of the city of Sodom. The Lord came to Abraham and informed him of the fact that because of the wickedness of Sodom, it was necessary for the judgment of God to come. Abraham pleaded with the Lord for Sodom, interceded actually saying, but what if there are 50 righteous? Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And the basis of Abraham's intercession was the Lord of the earth should be fair or be just. Even in judgment, God must be fair or just. God cannot be unjust in any action at any time ever. Now, this is an area that Satan is constantly seeking to make a case against God. How can a God of love or would a God of love condemn a man to eternal hell who has never heard of Jesus Christ? What about that person who lives over in Africa who lived and died never knowing of Jesus Christ? Is he going to have to suffer forever in hell because he lives in Africa and never has had a chance to hear? It is interesting the Bible doesn't give us the answer directly, but the Bible does give us an indirect answer, and that is that God is totally fair. When God judges, it'll be absolutely just. And Abraham's argument with God was, shall not the Lord of the earth be fair or be just when God spoke of the judgment that was going to come? Now, Abraham saw an inequity if God would judge the righteous with the wicked. That wouldn't be fair. That's the premise and the basis of Abraham's argument with the Lord that it wouldn't be fair to judge the righteous with the wicked. Now, Jesus said to his disciples, in this world you're going to have tribulation. But he said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. The church has had tribulation. The church today is under great persecution. Christians have been persecuted in China, in Russia, and in those communist-dominated countries, as well as the Muslim-dominated countries. Communism is not the only foe of Christianity. Muslim, uh, the, uh, Islamism is perhaps the greatest foe of Christianity. In the Islam countries, it is a capital crime to seek to convert an Islamic person to Christianity. You'll be put to death for that, causing him to change his religious beliefs. And so the church has always experienced persecution from the world. The Bible says, don't count it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened unto you. In fact, if the world loves you, then you better examine your position. But if the world hates you, don't be alarmed. Jesus said, it hated me. The servant is not greater than his Lord. So the persecution that the church experiences, though, has as its source or origin the world and the worldly system. 
the great tribulation that is coming or the judgment of God, whenever that comes, then the church is not a victim because God will be fair in his judgment. And if there be 50 righteous, the Lord said, sure, I'll spare it for 50 righteous. Abraham finally talked him down to 10. And God said he would spare it for 10 righteous. And the angels of the Lord came unto the city of Sodom. We'll get into that as we get into the 19th chapter. But they could not find even 10 righteous lot. That righteous man. The only truly righteous person they could find in the city was Lot himself, and not even his family was thoroughly righteous. But being merciful, God let his family out with him. Now, twice in the New Testament, once by Jesus and once by Peter, is this used as an example of the last days. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man, and how that the judgment did not come until the day that Lot was taken out of the city, and then God rained upon the city fire and brimstone. Jesus uses that, but points out the fact that Lot was delivered before the judgment came. And Peter also points out to the deliverance of Lot, showing how that God knows how to deliver the righteous but to reserve the ungodly for the day of judgment. Delivering that righteous man, Lot, who was vexed by the manner of life of those around him. So taking the same argument of Abraham, shall not the Lord of the earth be just? Would it be just that God would bring his great wrath and judgment upon the church along with the unbelieving world? No. And even as God delivered Lot, God shall deliver his church before the great period of judgment and the wrath of God comes upon the earth. It's just a matter of God's principle in judgment. So in the 19th chapter, and there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot was bidding them to come into his home as he bowed himself in the oriental custom towards the ground. Now, hospitality was something that was extremely important in that Eastern culture. And here, Lot sitting in the gate of the city, <laughs> it is interesting that in that culture also, the women did most of the work. The women would go out and plow the fields. The women would go out and plant the fields. The women would go out and harvest the fields while the men attended to the more important things of sitting in the gate of the city and talking about the weather. <laughs> Whether or not it's going to rain tomorrow, you know. Also, sitting in the gate of the city was a place of prominence. All of the judgments were done in the gates of the city. If there were conflicts between people, problems, they would come to the elders, the elder men, who would sit in the gate of the city, and the elder men would give judgments concerning the conflicts that had arisen. And thus, uh, it was a place of honor and distinction to sit in the gate of the city. And so Lot, sitting in the gate of the city, saw these two men as they were coming at evening, bowing down to them in the oriental custom. He invited them to turn in 
to the servant's house and tarry all night to wash your feet and rise up early and you can go on your way. And they said, no, we will abide in the street tonight. But Lot, knowing the conditions of the city and knowing the danger of such a thing, pressed upon them or constrained them greatly. And so they turned in unto him and entered into his house and he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread and they did eat. But before they were able to lie down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, both old and young, and all of the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot, and they said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. And this is to know them in an intimate sexual way. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. And he said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. And do ye unto them as is good in your eyes, only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Now, this, of course, first of all, shows what low esteem the woman was held in in that particular culture. Lot was willing to sacrifice his own two daughters unto this mob, their virginity and all. He was willing to turn his own two daughters over to the mob that they might do what they would to his two daughters, and yet seeking to protect the two men who are strangers to him. But yet, if you would take a visitor into your home, then you took the responsibility for them to really take care of them completely. But women were held in extremely low esteem in that day, in that culture. And in many of the primitive cultures, women be thankful for Jesus Christ and for Christianity because Jesus is the one who brought really the elevation of womanhood and the honor to the women and, and that equalizing and, uh, of, of the honor and, and blessing and all. And it's really through Christianity that women have been able to rise and, and to take their proper place, not as a servant or not any way subservient to man, but on an equal basis with man. But you won't find that in any culture outside of where the Christian gospel has gone and where the Christian culture has gone. There always has the state of the woman been elevated. Where there is not a strong Christian gospel, the state of the woman is always that of a subservient state. And if you study your history, you'll find that this is so. In Greece, in the Greek culture, which was supposed to be such a cultured nation, the, the women had a very low place, especially the wife. She was considered just one step above the slave. So it is the gospel of Jesus Christ which is declared there is no difference, male nor female, bond or free, but has given us all an equal status in Christ, for Christ is all and in all, and in and through him the equal status has been established. But here Lot, and again I believe that secondly, it shows that even Lot himself and his own morals and his own values 
had been corrupted by his living in Sodom. I do not see how you can live in the midst of such corruption and it not have some influence upon you. Living as we do in this day and age in which we live, we are under constant bombardment and constant pressure to accept evil, to tolerate evil, and to accept perversion as natural. And, and, and it's got to the place where people become sort of cowered into a position of just not stating your beliefs. If you would dare say in a university class, but Jesus is the only way to salvation, they make fun of you. They put you down. They call you narrow, bigoted, and everything else. If you make any affirmation of faith and a belief in living a moral, pure, righteous life, then you're accused of being, you know, a Victorian and, and living in the past and and, and all of this because of the tremendous pressures. And so it's hard to live in the midst of a society that is so corrupt without it rubbing off a little on us. At least we, we don't speak out on the issues in which we should be speaking out because we feel sort of threatened. Now, Lot's own morals have been corrupted to the extent that he was willing to give his daughters over to be abused by these men. The gesture was not a fine gesture of Lot's. It was a gesture that showed his own moral depravity as the result of living in Sodom. Lot made the choice of moving into the plains. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. That was the beginning of it, but now he has his house in Sodom. There is a danger in pitching your tent towards the world. It's interesting. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. There's a progression there. First of all, you're listening to the counsel of the ungodly. Next of all, you're standing around with them. And the next thing, you find yourself sitting in their company. Lot moved toward Sodom. Next, he was living in Sodom but it had its effect upon his own life and upon his own moral values, the offering of his daughter to this crowd of men. But they weren't interested in his daughters. They were desiring these men that had come to Lot. And so Lot said, don't do this wickedness to these men. They came under the shadow of my roof. They're under my protection. And they said, stand back. And then they began to say, this fellow came in to live with us as a stranger, and now he's going to try to judge over us. They said, we'll deal worse with you than with them. And they pressed sore upon Lot, and they came near to break the door. But the men, that is the angels, put forth their hands and pulled Lot into the house, and they shut the door. And they smote the men that were outside the door with blindness, all of them, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, that is the angels, 
Have, do you have any here besides? Do you have sons or daughters? Whatsoever you have in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxed great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which had married his daughters, and said, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Now, though Lot did not escape the pollutions of Sodom entirely, and the Bible gives testimony of him in Peter, that righteous man referring to Lot. And it speaks about how he was vexed by the way people were living around him. Though he was strong enough because of his early background and experiences with his uncle Abraham to, to survive in this corrupt society, Yet his living in the midst of the corrupt society cost him his family and the morals of his children. Now, there are sometimes I hear people say, well, I have my own philosophy that I live by. I don't need Christianity. It's just a crutch. I remember sitting one night with a man who was a plumber and he was just one of these hard hard guys and I don't need any crutches you know and Christianity is just a crutch and I don't need it going on and on you know how he was a self-made man he had his own philosophy and he could get by and and all of this of course he was drinking the whole while he was talking to me but I watched the three sons of that man, that particular man, as they all got into drugs. And I saw his sons totally destroyed by drugs. So where he might have been able to maintain in a society with his booze, his sons weren't able to maintain. And they all really just destroyed themselves with drugs. Many times a man will say, but I am able to do it, I am able to stand, I am strong and all this. But really, unless you set a strong example, a spiritual example in your home, your children cannot withstand the pressures of the society and the day and the age in which we live, and you're really sacrificing your children to this corrupt world. You may have a philosophy, you may have that by which you can stand, but your children are facing ungodly pressures and they need more than just a philosophy. They need the power of the Holy Spirit within their lives. And thus you, for their sakes, need to get right with God and set a strong spiritual example because they'll never survive. Lot was able to, but his children weren't. And so as he went to his daughters and said, get out of here, this place is going to get destroyed. God's going to destroy this city. They, they just mocked him, and he was as one who mocked them. And thus he lost his family 
to the corrupted morals of Sodom. And when the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters which are here, lest you be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And so they were hurrying them, said, Get out of here now. And while he lingered, there was a reluctance to leave the place. Even with Lot, he was reluctant to leave, just sort of lingering around. The angels took hold of their hands and upon the hand of his wife and the two daughters, and the Lord being merciful unto him, they brought him forth and set him outside the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth that he said, Escape for your life. Don't look behind you neither stay at all in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be consumed. The word don't look behind can be translated don't lag behind or do not turn back. Don't stay in the plain. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 19 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord... Cause his word to be established in each of your hearts and lives. And may you grow in grace and in knowledge of him. And may he with his cords of loving kindness just draw you unto himself. That you may ever experience a richer, fuller, deeper comprehension of that love that God has for you, his child. Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. It is my great pleasure to present Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles is an open-ended book. Jesus continues even to the present day to work in the lives of people throughout the world through those who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. This book also includes a special foreword written by Pastor John Corson. We studied the book of Acts, but we never saw the book of Acts. 
but we were seeing the moving of the Holy Spirit. Calvary Chapel family, may you always be known as a people who pray in Jesus' name, that it would be Jesus Christ, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. May the Jesus movement continue on. To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, The Acts Commentary, please call the word for today at 1-800-272-9673 or visit us online to read a sneak preview of the book by visiting thewordfortoday.org.